Welcome to The Way Home Podcast, featuring conversations about church, community, and culture. I'm your host, Dan Darling, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and today we're going to interview David Altrogi. He's the producer and director of a new documentary called 3801 Lancaster, American Tragedy. Six years ago, Dr. Kermit Gosnell was known in West Philadelphia as the good doctor. Today, he sits behind bars convicted of three counts of first-degree murder. How did this beloved doctor become one of the most hated and controversial figures of the decade? This is the question, and this is the topic that we're going to talk about with with David. He's the producer of this important new film, and we will ask him how he hopes that this film will help catalyze a next generation of pro-life activism. If this issue resonates with you, by the way, I'd like to invite you to an important conference in January, it's coming up in a month here, called Evangelicals for Life. We're doing this around the March for Life, so it's January 21st and 22nd, and this uh, event will not only help you come and make a stand for life in this generation, but this will also help equip you to be a champion for life in your community, to think about what it means to stand up for the unique human dignity of, of people, not just on abortion, but on a wide range of issues where human dignity is being compromised. So we encourage you to come to Evangelicals for Life. Go to my website, danieldarling.com. We will have uh, information for that. And if you're a podcast listener, you can go to the conference website and put in WAY HOME in all caps and get a 20% discount. We'd love for you to join us there. But for now, let's join our conversation with David Altrogi, producer of 3801 Lancaster. I'm glad to have my friend David Altrogi here on the Way Home Podcast. Thanks, David, for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. So I wanted to get you on to talk about this new movie that you've directed called 3801 Lancaster, American Tragedy, about the, you know, the tragedy that is Kermit Gosnell and sort of the abortion clinic that was exposed uh, a couple of years ago. So my first question is, you know, how did you get started uh, on this project? How did this sort of happen? Well, I was, uh, I was sitting in a coffee shop in Pittsburgh, um, waiting for my drink, picked up a newspaper, and I saw this tiny little blurb about this case in Philadelphia. This is this is five years ago. It was right, I mean, probably a day or two after the, the headlines broke about this this clinic raid in Philadelphia. Um, I read the blurb and I was, you know, shocked, like everybody um, who heard about it then. Uh, and then a couple days later, a friend of mine called and he said, hey, listen, the Philadelphia District Attorney is going to be testifying about the case before the Pennsylvania State Senate. Um, and they're going to allow press in. I know you're a filmmaker. I don't know where this could go, but I feel like this is an important thing. You might want to come film it. So my director of photography and I hopped in the car, drove to Harrisburg, filmed it. Uh, and it was just such a, uh, just hearing the descriptions of the clinic, hearing what the women who went to Gosnell went through hearing what the babies who mm. died at Gosnell's clinic, how they suffered. It was just so uh, emotionally affecting um, that we kind of just said, listen, we need to make a documentary about this. Um, and so we kind of we kind of went from there. Yeah. So you, you've been a filmmaker. Obviously, this is a bit of a different type of project for you. What were some of the challenges in doing this? Uh, yeah, this is, this has definitely been a really challenging project. Um, I mean, I think probably the biggest challenge has been 
getting getting people who are willing to to, to talk to us. It's mm. a, it's a um, it's one of those cases that a lot of people don't want to talk about, and because it's it asks some really uncomfortable questions about the abortion issue. So that was initially a, a really big challenge for us. But then you know the the Philadelphia Police Department they were awesome. They they opened their doors and, and spoke to us about the case and, and their role in the case. Um, and then, you know, as we started kind of, you know, getting some momentum, people started coming forward and talking to us and telling their stories. You know, I think another, another challenge was, I mean, it's just so, such a sad story. And so, um, obviously it's, it's challenging to, um, be so in such a sad story for so long. But, you know, it's as as I was making this, it's just a tiny little taste of what the women who, who went to Gosnell and, and had these horrible things happen to them, just a little taste of what they've gone through for the last 10 years, last, you know, 15 years since they went to him. They've had to deal with this every single day in ways that I can't even imagine. Yeah. So, yeah, I think those have been some of the, the challenges. Yeah, you, you live in Pennsylvania, so you say that, you know, in the documentary that he – for a long time, he was known as the good doctor. Mm-hmm. Gosnell was. Did people just not know what was happening behind the scenes, or did they know and just kind of not want to look at it, or or what? what yeah, was going well, on? I mean, and that's you know that's uh, a really good question because uh, one of the main reasons I wanted to make this film was because he could have been stopped over twenty years ago. The Pennsylvania Department of Health and Pennsylvania Department of State had all they needed to shut him down over twenty for, for over twenty years. There were there wasn't just one report. Mm-hmm. There were dozens of reports over over the last twenty years of wrongdoing, of of unsafe conditions for patients, of um, even women dying. And the Pennsylvania Department of Health and Department of State turned a blind eye and chose not to investigate. They chose not to not to look into it, and I think that was one of the main reasons that I was like, "Holy, I, I, I gotta, I gotta make this film." Like, how does that happen in Pennsylvania? You know, it's not like his clinic was some back alley clinic. It was on a really busy street, and people knew that not all was right at his clinic, and yet they chose to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Do you think a lot of it is just because of the angst? in the culture about abortion. So, you know, we we have legalized abortion and yet obviously what was done with Gosnell was was illegal, but there's a sort of, you know, as pro-life folks, we think abortion should be illegal, but uh, there's that sort of you think there's a hesitancy to investigate this because the pro-choice sympathies in many of these communities. Yeah, I mean, I think it uh... You know, the reason that the grand jury report gives, the grand jury report, I mean, the investigators who, from the Philadelphia Police Department and the district attorney's office, they did such an incredible job. And the grand jury report, you can download it online. It's like 300 pages, but it is an incredible document that just outlines what happened and and why it happened. Um, And so basically, on on page nine, it says this, um, and this is one of the sort of most sort of sobering things. So just to step back a little bit, before 1993, there had been somewhat regular inspections of abortion clinics in Pennsylvania. They weren't super regular, but at least they sort of happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there were inspections of Gosnell's clinic before 1993, and they, they, they found some, some problems, 
and they said, hey, you need to change these things. He said, oh, I'll change them, I'll change them. And he didn't, but, you know, they said, okay, whatever, it's, it's okay, you really need to change these things. Well, 1993 rolls around, and it says, in, in the grand jury report on page 9, it says, in 1993, the Pennsylvania Department of Health abruptly decided for political reasons to stop inspecting abortion clinics at all. The politics in question were not anti-abortion but pro. With the change of administration from Governor Casey to Governor Ridge, officials concluded that inspections would be, quote, putting a barrier up to women seeking abortions. Mm. Better to leave clinics to do as they pleased, even though, as God mm. proved, that meant both women and babies would pay. And that's on page nine of the Grand Jury Report. So there was a political decision to stop inspecting abortion clinics. They, the, the lawmakers at the Department of Health said, if we do inspections, it will be putting up uh, barriers to women who are seeking abortions. Mm. So they chose not to. Um, and then, you know, the Grand Jury Report, again, outlines further on um, how in 1999 there was discussion, should we reinstate uh, these inspections? And they decided, again, we don't want to put up barriers. We don't want to inhibit women's access to abortion. Um, and so, so, so sort of the tragic irony of this case is, you know, they're claiming to want to do this to protect women, to, to protect women's rights, but it really, their their efforts to protect women's rights led to women being being brutalized at God mm. Mills Clinic. Mm. You know, it, it sounds a lot like even what we're seeing with uh, the Planned Parenthood expose videos where there's just sort of a an attitude maybe in much of the media and among elected officials to kind of say, well, there's nothing to see here. We're just sort of going to give them a carte blanche because we know what, we're th- what they're doing is good uh, without any sort of regulation or oversight. Yeah, and I think, you know, I've heard it compared, um, Chris, um, Kirsten Powers, uh, who's a great, great journalist, mm-hmm. I mean, she compared the um, pro-choice lobbyists as similar to the sort of gun lobby in this country, uh, and in that they view any sort, of, any sort of regulation as, like, threatening to the institution. And mm-hmm. so they will say, there cannot be any, we can't have any regulation, don't look here, don't look at it. This is sacred. You can't touch it. You can't question it. And I think that's such a dangerous place mm-hmm. to be as a country. And I think that's what allowed Gosnell to to get away with what he got away with for so long, because they said, "Look, we're not going to question it. We can't touch it. It's sacred. Any sort of anything that at all encroaches on um, these 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 quote unquote rights is is a threat to women." And and again. That thinking led to women dying, to women being just completely brutalized, to babies dying. I mean, it is just such a tragic example of what happens when you say, "Listen, this is sacred. Don't look at it. Don't don't touch it. Don't question it." Um, and I, I just think it's just such a such a dangerous place to be in as as our country. And you know, the truth of this case is, what led to Gosnell being caught and prosecuted was not the Pennsylvania Department of Health or Department of State responding to a complaint. Um, What led to him being arrested was he was selling prescription drugs illegally, Mm. and so the Philadelphia uh, District Attorney's Office and the FBI were investigating him for that, and they sort of just stumbled on uh, the abortion clinic side of things. Mm. Um, So, yeah, it's just just really, really heartbreaking. So... uh... My guess is that your hope for this movie is just to to awaken people to really to what happens in abortion clinics. Is that a, sort of your 
your motivation here to kind of awaken the conscience of of the country? Yeah, I mean, the, we. I guess what we wanted to do with this film was, I mean, there were there were several reasons we wanted to make it. Um, I think you know the first reason we wanted to make it is because these babies' lives, that these babies who lost their lives, their lives matter, mm. and I don't want to forget what happened to them. The women who went to Gosnell uh, and who died in his clinic, their lives matter. The women who we interviewed in our film, his victims who have been living with what he did to them, uh, you know, years ago and, and wrestling with that. I mean, their stories are important and we can't, we can't forget what happens when we look away. We can't forget what happens when we try to ignore it. You know, I, I think in the film, somebody says, somebody says, listen, we know abortion happens, but we just we don't want to think about it. We hope it happens somewhere far away. You know, we just kind of, it's out of sight, out of mind. And I think as a country, we have to start talking about abortion mm-hmm. and what it is. And we, we have to take it sort of out of the realm of a political, sort of this abstract political debate. And we have to start talking about the real lives that are affected by abortion, mm-hmm. the the babies and the women. And like, we need to know, like, there are real lives affected by abortion. So if you're going to talk about it, if we're going to discuss abortion, we need to talk about it in the context of the people who it affects. Mm. It reminds me, this moment that we're having with Gosnell a few years ago, the the Planned Parenthood expose videos now, and with your film and things like this, it reminds me very similarly to, you know, Wilberforce and ending the slave trade in Britain, which was a long, hard slog. And that time that he sort of took members of parliament on a surprise trip to the to the docks to see the slave ships and what was actually happening. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me it's still going to be a long journey to end abortion in this country, but the public now is seeing what is actually going on inside these clinics, and it seems like it's pricking their conscience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think the the thing... That you, like it's just that we have such a, a a burden for as as we made the film is like I think there's we want this film to see, be seen by people who are pro life and we want this film to be seen by people mm. who are pro choice um, because I think there are so many just the the questions that this case raises are so um, relevant and so important um, and and you know one of the, one of our great burdens is that people who who are pro-choice would watch this film and they would see um, the women who went to Gosnell and they would just be, they would be, they would have compassion Mm. for women who choose, may choose abortion, who may make a decision that someone who's pro-life would completely disagree with, but they would still be able to have compassion and love towards these women. Because I think that is such an important thing for people who are inside the pro-life movement to, to really continue to embrace is like, we need to, we need to 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 love these women. We need mm. to show them compassion. I mean, and that's that's a burden of ours. And then also just that people see again, see the babies who lost lost their lives at Gosnell's clinic, and again, be filled with compassion towards them. I mean, I, I want this film to just awaken compassion in people because I think it has you know the abortion issue has become so sort of polarizing, it's become so sort of political and abstract that I think a lot of us on both sides, whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, you've, we, we've kind of dug in and we've kind of lost 
the compassion that we need to have towards the babies who who lose their lives and 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 the women who make this choice. Mm-hmm. Making a movie like this, I imagine, is is just a huge emotional investment uh, uh, and also time. And so, what has that process been like for you? Uh, I mean, it's been for all of us on the team. It's it's been a a, a very challenging film to make. You know, it's not happy subject matter. You know, there's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears put into this film. It's been really cool, especially our producer, um, Jen Brown, um, has just really just sacrificed a lot to make this film. She's also just very much invested in um, caring for the, the women who we interviewed, who were really, you know, who shared their stories. So, yeah, it has been a, you know, it's one of those projects that's been a long time, and it's it's been a really challenging project. Mm. But again, I think one of the things that just keeps coming to mind is like I'm just in making this film. We're just so thankful for these these uh, the three women in our film who came forward and said, "Listen, we're going to tell our story." I mean, talk about courage to to come forward and and tell this what for many of them had been a secret and to tell it on film because they don't want this to happen again. They they don't want what they don't want other Gosnells to be able to do this kind of thing to women. Mm. Talk to me about just the power of film and, and even just documentary genre particular. It seems like there's been a real real kind of renaissance of, of good documentary filmmaking in the last several years. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I mean I think I think film film can affect people in such a unique way, right? I mean, because you're not you're not just conveying information in a film. You're taking people on a journey in film, you're taking people places they could never go with written word or with spoken word alone. So in our film, um, you know, you get to, you really get to go inside Gosnell's clinic and it's one thing to read about it. Um, it's an entirely different thing to, to see images from inside his clinic. You know, it's one thing to read about women who were hurt by Gosnell. It's another thing to hear them say it, to hear through their tears and describing what happened to them. You know, to see images of these of these babies who lost their lives at Gosnell's clinic, I mean, those images alone are so powerful. And so I think I think film does have a really unique way that it can it can speak to us and change us that's different than any other medium. Yeah, that's I think particularly for, for Christians, for people of faith, it's something that we need to continue to invest in to, to tell these stories. I, I think there's such a powerful, you know, story is so powerful, you know, rather than sort of abstract principles, which which we need to um, we need to proclaim, uh, but that but to tell the story of people like Gosnell and how, how do you get to this place? You know, how how do you get to a place where you, where you're doing these just awful things? I mean, what what is his journey like? And so was there anything about this story as you kind of researched it that surprised you that, that maybe you didn't realize before you started making this film? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think like if our, our goal when we set out to make this film was really to just kind of let the facts of the case speak for themselves. I mean, we, as documentarians, we, we didn't want to put our own voice in it. We didn't want to sort of insert ourselves in, we felt like, Look, the facts of this case speak for themselves. Let's just present these facts in an objective, journalistic way. And so I think what really kind of surprised me was interacting with Gosnell 
And, you know, he's not, you know, the media kind of painted him as this, like, B-movie monster. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. this, like, kind of like Hannibal Lechner, kind of just this crazy guy. And so that's what I sort of expected. But when I when I spoke with him, he's very well-spoken. He's very charming. Um, and he he has rationale for why he did what he did. He maintains his innocence, and he will he will talk to you at length about his rationale. And when you're listening to him and speaking with him uh, over the course of eight months, we 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 did the interviews. You can kind of get you can kind of be like, oh, I guess I guess I can see why you why you'd believe that, and maybe it's not that. And then you you sort of realize, wait a minute, I've, but I've seen the pictures, I, I've heard the stories from his victims, and it's just. It was so. It was such a, a an enlightening process interviewing um, Gosnell because um, he really did. He really did believe that he was doing good. So the question is, how did he get there? How did he get to the point where he believed that these decisions he made were actually for the good of society? Mm. Was it hard to get access to? Um, it was. It took us a while, but he was. I mean, he was. Uh, we wrote him a couple of letters, and he was very receptive. And and you know, we told him, we said, "Listen, we're we are we're trying to do an objective journalistic story here. There are people uh, in our film who speak very badly of you, but we want to give you the opportunity to to share your side of the story." So that's what we tried to do. We, I mean, we really just tried to to say, "Hey, you can share your side of the story, mm-hmm. and um, we're not going to put a spin on it. We're not going to." twist what you say, we're just going to kind of present it and let the facts of the case kind of speak for themselves. Mm. Was he contrite at all about what happened? I mean, um, did he feel like he, he made mistakes or he, he was wrong in what he did? Yeah, he does, he does not feel like he did wow. anything wrong, doesn't feel like he made any mistakes. Um, he feels like he um, was unjustly prosecuted and feels... Um, like he's innocent, and he believes he'll be vindicated someday. Mm. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's really, really sobering talking to him. Yeah, that's amazing. And it, it you know, it's. It, I think it's the the thing is, it's like that. I think that's really troubling is really asking, and and he gets into this, but is really what what were the ideologies that he believed mm. that led him to do these things? Like it's it's just it's a real testament to the power of thought and ideas and how they can literally take someone who's wanting to do good and lead them to do these, these horrible, horrible things. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's hard to wrap your mind around it. Well, I I really appreciate you coming on to talk about this and, and and more importantly, appreciate you investing in this, uh, this really important film. I want to encourage everybody to go see it. Uh, how can people find out where to go see it or how can they find out how to get it in theaters near them? Yeah. So we partnered with this awesome organization called tug. Uh, and what they do is they make it really easy for people to set up a screening in their town. So, um, if you go to our website, 3801lancaster.com, that's 3801lancaster.com, you can see the cities that it's playing in. Starting November 10th, it's going to be in it's going to be in theaters across the country. Um, if it's not playing in your city, you can sign up to host a screening at your local theater, at your church, um, at your community center, even at your home. 
um, and Tug makes it really easy for, for you to do that. So the website, again, is, is 3801lancaster.com, and you can get all the information there. Um, and screenings are beginning on November 10th. Mm-hmm. That's great. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. This is really, Thanks for having really, me here. really good work, and uh, we'll encourage everyone to go see it. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. Well, I want to thank David Altrogi, producer of 3801 Lancaster, American Tragedy, for talking to me about this important documentary. I want to encourage you to go see it when it releases in theaters. If you'd like more information, we will have a link on the show notes page on DanielDarling.com. Also, I want to remind you about our event, Evangelicals for Life, in January, January 21st and 22nd. Help equip you to be a champion for life in, in your community and maybe prevent future Gosnells from happening in your community. We have a coupon code, WAYHOME, that's WAYHOME in all caps, where you can get a 20% discount. Please go to my website, danieldarlin.com, and find out more. But for now, thank you for listening to the Way Home podcast. The Way Home is recorded and produced by Gary Lancaster. Research is conducted by David Clausen, and scheduling is handled by Marie Delph. The Way Home is a production of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. Thank you.